Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are looking at the interesting and fun topic of how to get a pay rise off your boss. There are strategies that you can use that you can employ to help improve your odds of success. Take plenty of notes. I hope it works for you. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Lorenzo. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter, and about to jump into a fairly fun episode today, one that is providing some good contextual substance insofar as what's going on in the world right now, you pay more for fuel and groceries and everything else that goes with that. It's how to ask your boss for a pay rise this year in 2022. I thought you said this was going to be fun. It sounds like it's going to be costing me money. <laughs> well, you are the boss, I guess. That's the, ba- the downside. But nonetheless, uh, as a mere employee such as myself and the rest of our team, it's an interesting question. It is, and it's one that, as you rightly say, is coming to the fore. We're in an environment, and we've spoken about this previously, that you know, the cost of living is literally going through the roof. Uh, we telegraphed this well a long time ago, and when you start to see you know, 230, 240 a litre for fuel and climbing, and grocery prices moving in much the same direction, it's the uh, it's a set of circumstances of biting households and individuals alike, and you could look at, well, how do I get more money? I can't pay less for my stuff, so how do I get more money? And I guess going to the boss for a pay rise is one part that's both fraught with risk and can be very, very uh, lucrative if you get your approach right. Totally. And we'll run through the the step-by-step process that we suggest in doing that. But I guess to premise this right from the get-go, chatting to you before we went on air today, we talk about investing a lot in Mm. our show, but we can never knock back the importance of earning good income because ultimately that's where you're investing and your super and everything else is fueled from right totally so you know if if at the the, the top of the top of the uh, the tree is your income uh, or you in, in which case it's your job for most people and nudging the dial they're getting a pay rise you know whether it's three five ten fifteen percent whatever it may be knocks on in all areas a it's giving you more disposable income it's giving you more money to save uh, it's giving you more money to invest and of course it's more money being contributed to your super as well and all of those from a money investing perspective are essential steps in the building wealth stage so it's certainly very very important if you're a property investor it's going to increase your ability to borrow uh, if you're already invested in property it's going to give you uh, a little bit more comfort I suppose in being able to service the debt that you may have particularly given uh, light of the fact that you're likely looking at an interest rate rise in the fairly near future absolutely and it is a question that we get all the time how do you earn more money mm. you can invest but you can also earn more money from your income as well do so both. do both mm. exactly there's your um there's your 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 major marriage. Is that it? We're done or is it? We're done. Yeah, that's it. We can go home now. So AB, first step, um, why? Asking yourself why it is that you want to pay rise and do you deserve it? We're in an environment at the moment where I guess we've got you know pretty full employment. Uh, you know, unemployment's four percent or thereabouts, um, and so from a labour market perspective, from a hiring perspective, it's quite difficult to attract talent. Um, that means also as a business owner, you've got to retain the people that you have. It's just as important because if you go out to the marketplace and, and perhaps try and hire an unknown quantity, well, number one, you don't know what you're getting. Uh, and number two, you're going to be paying a premium for that given how tight the job market is. And I think with that sort of background in mind, it does provide more leverage for the employee uh, to be able to ask for a pay rise given that set of conditions. You know, better the devil you know, you know I'm here, I work well, how about you look after me rather than have to find somebody else? And this notion of why would you find someone else? We're in a very, very fluid labour market where even our treasurer is suggesting if you want a decent pay rise, change jobs. Um, and, and what that does create is an opportunity, I think, to not be a price taker, to be having a wage dictated, but to be the price maker by suggesting what you should be paid. 
albeit, you know, don't go into a, a gunfight with no bullets in there. You want to go in pretty well prepared uh, if you want to get the outcome that you're certainly looking for. So, you know, to that end, this tour is, is the context, why you feel it's appropriate to look for a pay rise, not just because the cost of living is rising. Maybe you've got a performance review that's due. Maybe your role within the business is shifted. Uh, maybe the business in itself is shifted into a new phase and, and that creates an opportunity, I guess, to, to raise the spectre of remuneration. So, you know, there's got to be some context to it. Be, be smart and be structured about that. Don't ambush your boss uh, with a cor uh, corridor conversation because you're going to get no change out of that. Try and be more professional and uh, as formal as you can be with that uh, by asking, hey, can we, can we sit down and uh, something I'd like to talk to you about? Make an appointment. Make an appointment, mm. set it aside, get that meeting in place so it's proper. And are you letting your boss know that that's the reason you're wanting to talk to them? Well, I think anyone that carries the moniker of being a boss probably shouldn't take a meeting without having an idea of what it's about. So, yeah, you know, what are we covering? I'd like to talk about, amongst other things, my role and remuneration. Okay, fine. Done. Okay. And as a boss, you'd be open to that, no yep. problems? Awesome. Well, that's good to know if you're a listener here on the mm -hmm. podcast. So with that, when you've got the context set aside and you are in the war room, so to speak, uh, in <laughs> negotiations and uh, looking at me right now, I'm getting a little bit nervous for our next performance review. Uh, what kind of elements are you focusing on to uh, articulate value? Is it just about revenue or is it also more a little bit more qualitative when it comes to client satisfaction and things like that? Yeah, it, I, it depends on your role because some roles you have the ability to affect the revenue line. If you're in sales, for example, that's uh, that's definitely something that's correlated to your performance. It becomes a bit more difficult if you're in a support type role. So let's say you're in an admin role or an accounting function or client support and service function. You know, it's very hard to say uh, I want to help improve the company's bottom line when you're not really that involved with sales. So you've got to break that out. And, and as an employer, you always look at the bottom line. So when people come to you and say, I can't affect the bottom line, you go, well, not really much conversation to have about a pay rise either because there's no value in the business, which is very naive because, you know, people's value to the business is absolute. So, you know, not just about bottom line is, is something that's really important. And in fact, you know, if you're in that kind of support role where you have more contact with the client, you know, maybe having a chat before you go to your boss to ask for the pay rise with, for example, the sales team to say, look, you know, I'm talking to these people every day and I can foster a relationship here. I could ask for a referral, would that help everybody? And so what you're doing, you know, that's just a, a, a narrow channel example, but what you're doing is adding value to the role uh, that's measurable uh, and it's directly correlated to your performance in that role, which then gives you a level of leverage, I think, to, to then say, look, I'm doing this or I've put this forward or I've suggested that. Um, so, you know, how about we look at an adjustment to my remuneration? So there's a really good example. So just to flesh it out a little bit more, mm. AB, let's say you work in client support and you just had a number of emails from clients saying, wow, thank you so much, awesome job, really appreciate your service. Is it a matter of you know printing that out or flicking that onto the boss to say, here's, here's what they're saying? Is that too much? I think sometimes you know, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil and it, it, it sounds like too much to send that to your boss to say, look how good I am. And it's an almost an Australian attribute to say, you know, how good am I doing here? It is something to, to bring up and it's the sort of thing that you might want to prepare for your performance review. Sit down and say, look, I've got you know, 28 emails here from different clients that have been really, really happy with what I've done. But again, it's that initiative and this isn't about operating outside of you know, the systems and processes that the business has, but trying to think more laterally to just 
justify being a higher value player in the team is key. So, you know, if you've got feedback like that from clients that you're helping, talking to the marketing team and saying, look, hey, these, these, these clients are really loving the support we're giving them right now. Is there any scope for using these as testimonials on our social media, for example, and, and, and which ultimately over time is probably going to add value to the bottom line of the business as well. And, you know, grasping that opportunity and recognizing that, oh, I'm doing a good job. You are. And how about you help dollarize that for the business and also for yourself by, by using them as testimonials? So, you know, thinking laterally about that sort of stuff rather than just go, hey, how good am I? Um, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a sort of high school lever type mindset. How good am I doing here? Um, the sort of person you'd likely to reward more heavily would be someone that's taken the initiative of going, hey, look, I'm, this, this is all going really well. He go to the marketing team or sales. I've got these testimonials from clients who are really happy with that help you with your job. All of a sudden you're a team player and a rising tide lifts all ships. Great analogy. Love that. Mm. And one, what about saving? I mean, this is a, a, a difficult one mm. to, to measure. If you're saving the business money, <laughs> the last thing that your boss is going to say is, yep, yeah, well done, you saved us so much money, but let me just give you that as your pay rise because the net result is the same, right? So how do you quantify that if you're an employee asking for a rise? If I go back in the memory archives, this is the last time I had a boss and, uh, and I don't think I could probably work for anyone again, but if I worked for anyone, it would probably be him. Um, really, really hard-nosed businessman. I learned an awful lot from him uh, and a very good person too, I might add. And the rumor in the business was that his PA got paid a bonus based on the amount of money that she was able to save for the business. So if she was booking you a flight uh, or, or some accommodation somewhere, you could guarantee you'd be staying in a youth hostel uh, and barely flying on a plane. You'd probably be going on the back of a hitchhiking down the road to save money. And, and, and that was a story that kind of got a blip blown out of proportion. But there's an element of truth to that. And I think as a business owner, if you're able to, if you've got a frontline department that you're purchasing department and you're able to provide them with a, an incentive series that says listen if you can get us a saving on the business uh, we'll reward you with you know discretionary bonus on the back of what you save that incentivizes people to treat it as if it's their own business and when you've got that buy-in from people where they're no longer employees but they feel as if they're stakeholders this is my business too and there's a direct relationship uh, between what I do and what I earn I think it, it, it inspires people to a level whereby it's it's not just about coming to work and earning your pay. It's like, hey, I can really do good things here for me and for the business. Uh, yeah, a good example of that, I always remember the negotiating strategy was they'd get the price for something and, and then that particular PA would turn around and say, great, so that includes GST, right? And, and just work on the 10% discount on absolutely everything, knowing full well that she might be getting her little cut on that uh, saving as well. Brilliant system. Uh, and whether it was true or not, it's a great story for our podcast today. I suspect knowing... Uh, my former boss that it probably was probably true was. knowing how he operated uh, because he was a really smart guy and knew how to how to engage his people around him um, in a way that did make them stakeholders in the business and I, and I think that's a big distinction Mitch is that asking for pay rise as an employee versus saying look I want to feel like I'm a stakeholder in this I'm not asking for a share of the company but what I am asking is the ability to be remunerated in a way based on the contribution I'm making to the business. You just gotta make sure you're good at making a contribution. Don't be a passenger and expect a pay rise. Totally, well let, let's flesh that out a little bit more because that's a, an important point. Not every remuneration is the same. You can have an increase in your salary, increase mm. in your super contribution, more commission, bonus, KPIs, things like that. Mm. So if you're in the camp where you're looking for a pay rise mm. and everyone's going to be different depending on what your current uh, remuneration looks like 
how do you then shape what that decision looks like as to what you ask for, if mm. that makes sense? It, it is definitely going to be based around your own circumstances, almost personal advice when we, we sort of talk about that in an investment context. Let's take something that's really basic, that move from the casualization of the workforce into actually being a, a, a permanent employee. And that's a, a good sort of rung one to have that conversation. So look, you know, I've been here for a long time. I'm casual. I'm looking for more certainty, stability, uh, and so on with what I do. I'd like to come on the books as a, as a permanent employee. Um, you know, and I'd like to have that conversation now uh, because I am looking for a permanent job rather than a casual one now. So you know, if, if you're any good at what you do, and again, this, this all comes back to, to, I guess, you know, remuneration. And this is probably one of the most attractive things, I think, with, with financial markets, at least throughout my, my working career, the 30 years I've been in markets, um, that remuneration is typically based on performance as opposed to a salary. Uh, it's a very Darwinian uh, model and it means survival of the fittest. If you're good at what you do, um, you, you earn well. And if you're pretty average, then it's probably a better job down the road, which is exactly how that model should work uh, for the greater good of the company, for the greater good of the clients, for the greater good of everybody as a stakeholder. So, yeah, moving from casual to to a permanent employee is a, is a good step in there. Um, if you're already an employee, the, the scary thing, I think, for, for an employer when someone asks for a pay rise is that everything else blows up. The super contribution increases, uh, yeah, pay as you go is a little bit different, and, 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 and sick pay, holiday pay, all of those different things start to change. And so there are ways of asking for a pay rise that don't include pay. Well, that sounds a little bit of an oxymoron, but you say, look, I, I'm not looking to adjust my my contracted remuneration, but how about a discretionary bonus structure? So that is at the discretion of the business. Um, and, and if you're not performing, they don't have to pay. So there's no hard cost increase. At the same time, um, you know, if you do really well, then you know, again, you get the opportunity to participate to a, to a greater level. And I think that's a, a lot easier sell to an employer uh, they're running their budget like all businesses, and you know, oftentimes, you know, when people look at a company, they go, oh, you know, fat cat business is plenty of margin in that. But you know, certain businesses, in particular, transport's a really good example of that. You know, your gross margin's about three percent, and so if you have you know a, a fairly significant uptick in what you're paying people, that margin can be eroded very, very quickly, particularly if you can't pass on cost rises and things like that. So you know, the margins in businesses aren't always as fat as people would have you believe and and I'm not saying that poor me as a business owner because every business is is different but the margins aren't always as fat as what employees might think if you've got a, a mechanism that doesn't denigrate the margin of the business but is purely on the context of you adding more value to the business that is far more palatable and it can be turned off it is it's not something that's locked in stone if you're not performing it gets turned off and if you're worried that the boots on the other foot that you might do all this work and it doesn't get followed through um, with 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 a jump in in the remuneration or the bonus or whatever it may be that you're actually receiving, well you can vote with your feet. You only ever trust somebody once, and if you get backdoored on a deal, then you leave. And it's a good job market to consider that. Totally. And there's a, a range of really good points in there. Thank mm -hmm. you, AB. Um, my question to you is as follows: To finish us off, being prepared for the answer of no. What what do you do? What do you say? Expect no. Uh, and that's one of the biggest challenges um, f f for people in general. When the word no is uttered, that's, that's it. Okay, we put up the white flag and, and that's it. Uh, and as we all know, if you want to be successful in life, no, it doesn't mean no. It just means the person doesn't know enough yet. You haven't been able to convince them by explaining uh, enough of the benefit to them for them to make a more informed decision on their part. So it's never no. They just need to know more. So look, okay, I get, get you. You think it's probably a no right now. If I were able to show you X and Y, if I were able to show you that – 
through making two small changes in what I'm doing in my job, I'm able to save the business you know twenty thousand dollars a month. Um, that would demonstrate some level of value, really, wouldn't it? And I'm more than happy to do that and and and, and participate in. Yeah, a level of profit share. So would it be a reasonable expectation to say, if I can do X, Y, Z, let's sit down in three months and review, and if I meet those criteria, then I would qualify for whatever it is. Exactly right. So look, it may be a no right now, and and I totally get where you're coming from, and and this is the secret to having any kind of negotiation or conversation with anybody, I suppose, is to find that common ground rather than to lock horns, because, you know, if you lock horns with your boss, it's never really going in a good way. Um, So, look, I totally get it that it's a no right now. How about if we were to determine some of the key things from a business perspective, in your opinion, let them feel they've got the control of the conversation, um, that would perhaps shape this up in a way that instead of being a no, could be a yes. And what we're starting to then do is to dive into key performance indicators. So if we're able to save money or if we were able to get a um, a client on hold time down from an average of four minutes to two minutes, if we're able to lift our referrals from clients up by 5% or or whatever metric it may be in the space that you're in, um, if we're able to do that, that would definitely demonstrate value to the business, wouldn't it? And so would we be able to then, in your opinion, have a different kind of conversation where if I can show you that we can hit these KPIs uh, and that I'm creating extra value for the business in whatever way it might be, would you be open to having this conversation and the discussion around a pay rise or remuneration shift on the back of that? And if the answer is still no, well, it's a closed door and you get a couple of choices. You either accept that it's a no or uh, or you perhaps look for other places that are going to value and respect what you're going to do. If you approach it in the right way, any employer that's got half a brain um, is going to be open to having that conversation. Um, unfortunately, if you approach it in the wrong way uh, and there's a level of ego involved and you know, depending on what type of business you're in um, and, and how you go about approaching this conversation, you can clash heads pretty quickly on that. You catch someone at the wrong time, um, you know, everything is a no. It's just no. Uh, well, why not? I've just told you no. Now go away. Um, yeah, that's you're never going to get anywhere with that. That's why you know, as we started off, make an appointment, be courteous, be prepared, have your case laid out, understand the value that you can bring to the business in some way, shape, or form. Seek cross collateralization or collaboration with other parts of the business to say, look, I've been giving the sales guys this and I know they've got three sales from it or a marketing team have published two of the testimonials that I've managed to get from clients plus I got this referral the other day. Have all that laid out um, and, and, and already be using it so that when you sit down, the, the business case is not how good am I, I need a pay rise, but hey, I'm already doing this and I want to help the business. Um, how about we have a conversation about how I can do uh, and enjoy a little bit of upside out of this too. And as I say, most employers would then be probably a little more open-minded to it than that casual conversation around the drink fountain. Totally. And, and it's interesting hearing it from an employer's perspective mm. because it's kind of like that reasonable person's argument. If you just have an open conversation that's backed up with really valid points, you know, there's an argument to be had for both parties mm. there. And it's just simply an open discussion. Mm. And, and look, it doesn't work for all roles. You know, so there are some roles that literally are a fixed role and it's a very, very narrow channel. Uh, and and you know, the purpose of this kind of conversation and this kind of um, forum isn't to be the perfect game plan for everyone. You've got to customise this around where you're at. I mean, the, the easiest thing if you're in a commission structure is you just work harder and you're going to make a lot more money. It's as simple as that. It's a the flywheel just turns more and spits more cash off. It's it's very very simple. If you're a, if you're a contracted or salaried employee, that's where it becomes a little bit more challenging. And also, you know, the broader your role, the more impact that you can kind of have. And these sorts of deals. 
uh, can make or, or break uh, a business decision. Uh, you know, and you know, getting a slice of the action, so to speak, uh, is a game changer. I think a George Foreman, the boxer, uh, twice world heavyweight champion of the world, beat Joe Frazier and uh, got beaten by Muhammad Ali, of course, in in uh, Zaire, and then came back at I think he was forty five and beat Michael Mora, uh, uh, who was twenty six years old, knocked him out. Crazy. Um, and 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 the interesting thing, Foreman didn't actually make that much money from boxing, but the guys were three four hundred million dollars because of the deal that he did uh, with the George Foreman Grill selling uh, you know, endorsing a product and, and rather than get paid an amount of money for his name a fixed salary he chose to take a percentage of the revenue line on there and it turned out to be the best decision he could have made he's been able to support his church and foundation all the different things off the back of that and in the same way as an employee sometimes the salary number is an ego number oh I'm on this base it's not about the base it's what you get to take home and again you know you look back at particularly the, the 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 big end of town the investment banking world you know where i i sort of grew up in the start of my career it's not about the base it's about the bonus you know mates that were on a base of a couple hundred grand a year which sounds like a lot but bonuses in the multi-millions so the base is irrelevant it's about what you can parlay that into um and just to cap it off the, the the art of negotiation in that space they call it letter day i think at macquarie bank when you get your bonus but the golden rule in banking when you get your bonus is to have that look of absolute contempt and disgust you've got that's the most offensive bonus you could have possibly come up with and given me i'm so and so i need to talk to you about this and then the negotiation actually starts <laughs> uh, it's a pantomime when you watch that going on every year um, you know and, and you sort of think you know some of these people don't deserve that kind of money and certainly not that kind of attitude but nonetheless the value is absolute it's, it's based on revenue line uh, that they've they've generated um, albeit in some instances that revenue lines come at a pretty big cost i.e the gfc for some banks so yeah it's an interesting one isn't it but um yeah if you're a stakeholder in the business and a longer term stakeholder um then uh, you know, you're in the same boat as everybody else and you're going to paddle just as hard as everybody else if it's difficult. AB, really fun yet informative episode here. Thank you very much. Uh, always appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime, Mitch. Good luck with your pay negotiation. Thanks. <laughs> there you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.